Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Michael Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter on episode 64. All right, so this week we are talking about college football, college basketball, the NFL, Major League Baseball, wonder what that's about, and of course our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. Are you guys excited? Because I'm freaking excited. I'm excited to be talking about baseball again. I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport. I'd also like to point out that you would know exactly what our MLB segment was about if you would just scroll down. And, and read our outline a few line a few uh, about a page further down you'd see what it's about so just I just mean, in case you're curious I know what it's about but you said you want you were wondering what it was about no I said I bet you know what that's about talking talking to, to the listeners that's that's not in January we're talking about baseball in January because you should always be talking. Because football season is over, so it's time to start complaining about baseball. But it's the middle of hockey season, and we're not talking about hockey. That's I would, you I would like know nothing about hockey. If I tried to talk about hockey, you'd just stare at me blankly. Well, well yeah, you should be another one of your segments that we could backload, so it would literally just be 30 minutes of you talking. See, Mike Stupid Rules started to teach you guys about hockey and then just sort of evolved into other sports. We could go back to being exclusively hockey-related, if you'd like. Maybe eventually, but I have a good one for today. Or at least I think it's good, so... You don't seem very interested. You just like it because it was involved with the Chiefs at one point. Uh, I do have a correction. I have a correction. Mike, you said that football is over. Football is over. What I think you meant to say was college football. No, football is over. The Vikings are out. Football's over. Nobody cares. You're wrong. Uh, But the Chiefs are still in it. Football is over. Well, football is over for the college level. And if any of our listeners was watching the game last night, uh, it was a good game through five minutes, uh, five minutes through the third quarter. Um, That was as it was basically back and forth uh, for most of the uh, that first like two quarters through the first half at least it was back and forth LSU jumped out to an early 10 nothing lead or Clemson, Clemson sorry Clemson jumped out to an early 10 uh, nothing lead LSU got a touchdown back and then Clemson was up 17 to 7 at one point uh, and then LSU came roaring back in the second quarter led by Joe Burrow who did set the all-time uh, NCAA passing touchdown record, which asterisk asterisk because he played way more games than the previous record holder. Exactly, so because they count ball games and conference championship games, which didn't exist when some of these records were and set originally. Joe Burrow threw for what five touchdowns in this game and seven against OU. So yeah, yeah it, without those two games, he would have 12 less, which would be a lot less impressive. But no matter what, it was just a very, very impressive year for LSU, the turnaround that uh, they made from going from a pretty archaic uh, offensive scheme to this year bringing more of the pro-style 
offensive playbook to the field, and they scored a ton of points in the final three weeks of the season. Uh, game weeks, I should say, not three actual weeks, as they beat uh, three top five teams in a row uh, by a wide margin. LSU just overwhelmed and dominated. Joe Burrow looks like a very, very good um, uh, prospect coming out of college for the NFL. Most likely going to the Cincinnati Bengals. They would be absolutely out of their mind not to draft him, in my opinion, because they need a quarterback. Uh, Trade the pick. You could get a ransom for that. Trade the pick. If If you don't fully believe in Joe Burrow, which I don't, then you should trade that pick because you will get and, a ton for him because somebody dies. And that is that is true because Joe Burrow only has had one phenomenal season and he's only played in college for two seasons because he was the backup. I guess he played in a couple of games at Ohio State, but he wasn't the starting quarterback and nor did he have a big name to himself until really this year. Um, so we'll see what happens to him. But anyway... Uh, LSU brings another national championship back to the uh, back to Louisiana, even though they won it in Louisiana. Um, but Clemson will probably be back next year as Trevor Lawrence loses his first game as a college athlete. He lost like his first game since like seventh grade or something. I saw. Yeah, it's ridiculous how he, how accustomed he is to winning. Um, at this point, but they'll be back next season, in my opinion. They'll be loaded and they'll they'll start the year ranked number one, I presume. Yes. Whereas LSU loses a ton of stars on their Plus, team. You know, the Heisman winner. It always hurts to lose the Heisman winner. And it always hurts to lose a really good running back and a couple. I would presume presume they're going to lose a couple of receivers as well, and all all of their top cornerbacks are leaving. Um, most likely. So everything will be different. Congrats to LSU. Congrats to Joe Burrow. Congrats to Ed Ogeron, who got passed up by a ton of schools as their head coach and now brings the national championship to Baton Rouge. From the turf, unless you have anything else to add, Mike. No, I didn't get to watch. I was playing ball last night oh. in the snow, so I didn't get to watch a ton of that game. So I didn't have a ton, ton to add. Well, from the turf to the snow to now the hardwood. Uh, Last week, uh, now it is, the Cyclone men's basketball team had two games. Both of them were at home. Um, One of them was a really big game against Kansas in which they looked utterly miserable on that court and didn't look like they belonged uh, playing at that time against the third-ranked team in the nation. Uh, And that was just a... Horrible game overall. Tyrese Halliburton didn't have a good game, and that's pretty he didn't much all score she wrote. in the first half of that game. Yeah, it's pretty much all she wrote. The leading scorer was Razier Bolton with 12. Michael Jacobson put in 10, but nothing to be learned from that game except they can't compete with the big boys, it seems like. Um, but they did turn things around against Oklahoma. Uh, in the second game of the week, Oklahoma came in at 11 and 3. Uh, so, in conference too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah they were they were two three and zero in conference at that point. Uh, but Iowa State did something different, and it was very out of the ordinary for Steve Prone. Prone he changed his lineups uh, 
during the season as George Condit did go ahead and get the start over Solomon Young and played some good minutes, didn't necessarily have a stat line to go along with it, but there has been a, a an emergence of Terrence Lewis a little bit. It seems like when he gets decent minutes on the court, he's able to do good things with them. Uh, in 18 minutes against Oklahoma, he had uh, 10 points, so he was uh, 50 per- shot 50% from the field and was making free throws, which is good. Trey Jackson looks like he finally found his stroke. He hit four of six from three after he had been shooting abysmally from the field uh, before that. So if we can really get some bench player help uh, to this team to uh, to help out Tyrese Halliburton and Razier Bolton, uh, it'll go a long ways. Um, and I think adding George Condit to the starting lineup, I've been talking about this multiple, multiple times on uh, different different episodes of this podcast saying that George Condit should start bringing energy and intensity to the starting lineup. Um, So that has happened, but the Cyclones have some large tests in front of them looming this week as they do uh, end up playing Baylor, which is now up to number two in the AP rankings uh, for this week. They play Baylor Uh, on Wednesday the 15th, uh, so when this episode of the podcast goes live, as well as they they go to Texas Tech, I believe, on Saturday. Yes, they go to Lubbock to play Texas Tech on Saturday, another top 25 team. Uh, So an opportunity for... Oh, sorry, they go to Baylor on Wednesday. Correction. Correction. To Waco. To Waco which will be a very tough test, but then at home or to Lubbock. And then the following week, they do have to play Baylor again, but at least they get them at home. Yeah. Two more things to note from this week. Um, with that starting lineup change, uh, Coach Prome did say that that starting lineup, basically that decision of Condit versus Young, is going to depend a lot on the opponent, whether they want to go a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller. So it sounds like that starting lineup will be changing regularly, just depending on what they want that matchup to open the game. So look for that to continue to change game to game even, which is not like Steve Prohm, but it'll be interesting to see. And the other thing is I think part of what this week showed is how important students are at Hilton, right? That KU game had a limited number of students because it was still in the middle of Christmas break. And granted, KU is a much better team than Oklahoma, but they just absolutely got throttled. And then with more students there, closer to the start of uh, the semester on Saturday, right, success is better, right? Students matter in Hilton Coliseum. That is what makes Hilton impenetrable. Otherwise, you just don't see Hilton being that, well, you don't see teams coming in and blowing out Iowa State at Hilton. But those students make a huge difference when it comes to Hilton Coliseum. We need those students to keep that uh, Hilton magic going and keep Hilton to be the impenetrable fortress or get Hilton back to the impenetrable fortress that it once was as opposed to what it is now where teams like KU can come in and make a game that's not even close. I kind of expected you to say something, Kyle, and then you never did. Oh, no. I was I was done with that segment, so I was waiting for you to transition us off the hardwood back to the turf. 
uh, to the NFL. We're going to get the turf talk. We keep going from the turf to the hardwood to the turf like this. Yeah, that is true. But is that football how you get turf is not tall? officially over. Football Football's is not officially over, over for Football's four over. teams in the NFL Football's who are still over. remaining. And luckily enough, that is not the Vikings uh, moving forward. As Mike can give us his recap of the game just to put him through some more torture after the Vikings lose to the 49ers. Yeah, the uh, the uh, 49ers pretty much uh, handled the Vikings pretty easily. I mean, it was a 14-10 game at halftime, but San Francisco had dominated that first half, only a late um, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo interception that gave the Vikings three more points. Um, made it close there at halftime. In the end, what worked for San Francisco is their defensive line, especially the interior of their defensive line, absolutely dominated the interior of the Vikings' offensive line. Dalvin Cook was not able to get much of anything going on the ground um, during that game. I think he ran for something along the lines of like 20 total yards that entire game. Let me see if I can pull up this box score quick and get the exact number. Which isn't necessarily Dalvin Cook had nine carries for 18 yards. Vikings aren't going to win games when Dalvin Cook is not able to run the football. And unless they can get the the short pass screen game going to Dalvin Cook, which they were also not able to do. San Francisco took away the run game and the screens. Dalvin Cook had six catches for eight yards. So... No, that shows how well the screens went. And when you're able to take both of those away, you're taking away Kirk Cousins' safety blanket, right? He relies on those to keep the defense off balance and to open up some of those throws downfield, and those just weren't working. And they were getting a great pass rush on Kirk Cousins, which makes him very uncomfortable in the pocket, which definitely brings out bad Kirk. Bad Kirk comes... When he's uncomfortable in the pocket, he starts to make, um, he starts to get happy feet and sort of run around and either not throw the ball or he misses open receivers. There were multiple instances where he was under pressure but had receivers open downfield and had enough time to get it to them, but he panicked when the pass rush started and took his eyes off downfield, had open receivers downfield that he just missed and cost the Vikings definitely some big plays. Also, the big problem was that the defense couldn't stop the run. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't fantastic. In fact, I think he was below average in that game. Maybe his stats didn't show it, but he didn't look good. He got picked off once. The coverage. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo's final stat line, 11 of 19, 131, one passing touchdown, one interception, was also sacked twice. Right. I mean, that's not a great game, but the Vikings could not stop the run. I think... In the third quarter, San Francisco scored 14 points and only threw the ball like three times the entire the entire half. Tevin Coleman had 22 rush yard, 22 rushes, 105 what? yards, 4.8 average. Mostert 12 carries, 58 yards, 4.8 average. Yeah, you should not be able to get away with not a team in this NFL should not be able to get away with. Um, with not throwing the ball for pretty much an entire quarter and outscoring your opponent 10 nothing in that quarter. You just shouldn't be able to get away with that. The Vikings' run defense needed to be better, 
Everyone knew they were going to run the ball, and we just couldn't stop them. Make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you because he wasn't having a good game. But the Vikings just didn't adjust that scheme. You've got two of the best safeties in the NFL, and Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, and they just weren't very effective because they weren't throwing the ball, and the Vikings weren't bringing him up into the box very often to uh, to stop that run. So the Vikings just got out-schemed. They got out-coached. Yeah. They got outplayed. They got out everything by the 49ers. And then the offensive coordinator, because he looked so great, that offensive game plan was so good against the 49ers, that he uh, that he got the Cleveland Browns job too. So, I don't know. I some, don't applause, think- some applause for Cleveland for once again picking another outstanding coaching candidate. I don't – I mean, what did, he, what did Stefanski do, right? He took an offense that has a ton of talent, Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, and made it slightly above league average using somebody else's offensive scheme because that was Gary Kubiak's offensive scheme, even if he wasn't calling the plays. It was Gary Kubiak's offense. Kevin Stefanski, to me, hasn't proven enough to be a head coach yet, but the Browns saw differently. There was, anyway, a better, there was a much better option standing on the Chiefs' sideline, but apparently they weren't. Willing to wait. Andy Weed, the chief, the Chiefs are going to fire Andy Weed. No, Eric Bien- Bien- <laughs> But Andy Reid could potentially get fired. Uh, if you want breaking news on this podcast, do you want breaking news, Mike? Yes. Why is it what? Josh Donaldson signs with the woo, Minnesota Twins. <laughs> so the Twins finally make a big acquisition in the offseason, but. As I was talking about earlier, Andy Reid might get fired from the Chiefs if they are unable to stop the Tennessee Titans, especially Derrick Henry, who is absolutely running over everybody. In the past two weeks, Derrick Henry against the Baltimore Ravens runs for 195 yards. Against the New England Patriots, he runs for 182 yards. And in week 17, when he was, uh, I believe, still injured, Um, And coming back from an injury, he runs for 211 yards. He is running outside of his mind, and he is running people over and using players, i.e. Earl Thomas, as lead blockers. Earl Thomas is the safety for the Baltimore Ravens, and he used him as a lead blocker. And that's just basically how that game went, is the Ravens got pretty much outplayed by the Tennessee Titans, I don't know how many drives the Ravens had in Titans territory where they were not able to score touchdowns out of it. They got deep into Titans territory and were not able to come away with touchdowns, came away with only two field goals in the first half um, and just weren't able to move the ball. They, it, it just, it just wasn't a game that the Ravens that you generally see the Ravens in and to go like to further talk about that, the Ravens threw Lamar Jackson threw the ball fifty nine times. He threw for Granted, he had to throw the ball. He had to throw the ball a bunch in the second half to try and catch up. But why was Mark? In- why did Mark Ingram only have six carries on the game total? When Mark Ingram, in her. my opinion, is is one of the top, if not top fifteen, if not top ten running backs in the league currently especially behind that offensive line that has proven they're able to block. I I just didn't understand that game plan from Baltimore, but 
and obviously it didn't work. So but I think the Titans got lucky, especially at the end of the first half. So that is, that is at, true. At the end of the first half, so the the Ravens got it second and ten at like their own eighteen, something like that, and with just. And the first play after the two-minute warning, Lamar Jackson gets sacked, third and 18, now coming up from about, the, about Baltimore's own 10. Now, if I'm the Titans, I'm up 14-3 to three at this point. The Tennessee Titans' game plan the entire season has been, we get ahead, we run out the clock, right? That's what they did against the Patriots, right? So what I would have... Uh, so what I would have done there if I was the Titans is just let that the, – the Ravens weren't going to take a timeout on third and 18 deep in their own territory. Just let the clock run out, go into halftime. You're going to get the ball to start the second half, up 14-3, let time run out. Instead, they call timeout, and then Lamar Jackson converts that third and 18 and drives down Baltimore to almost score a touchdown, and they get a field goal. If I'm the Texans, I think that's a terrible decision. That's well, the against Titans? what the – because the, the Titans, Texans weren't playing in that game. Yeah, the Titans. That's a terrible decision because it goes against what you've been doing all year. I mean, I get you want to go for the jugular there at the end of the first half, but that's not the way the Tennessee Titans had been playing games all year. You shouldn't change it in the playoffs. Especially when you only have Ryan Tannehill throwing 14 passes against Baltimore and what, like 10 or 15 passes against the Patriots? 15 you're not going for the jugular at all, ever. You're not throwing the ball deep when you only have 72 yards and 88 yards consecutively in playoff games yeah, through the air. Um, you're not you're not going for the jugular. But eventually, this Titans magic is going to run out. You'd think, right? And I hope it runs out next week because thanks to the Titans and thanks to the. Uh, Miami Dolphins, the Chiefs now get home field advantage for the AFC Championship game for the second year in a row. And boy, did it look like that was going to be a far cry from what it would turn out to be after the first quarter in this divisional game against the uh, Houston Texans. I, I was just absolutely beside myself looking at the box score because I was on my way back from Kansas City to Indiana and seeing the Texans jump out to a 24 to nothing lead over the Chiefs. But the Chiefs slowly but surely claw their way back uh, and they end up scoring uh, three touchdowns in the span of three minutes and 24 seconds. Uh, as Damian Williams uh, got a 17 yard touchdown pass from Mahomes and then after a just an an uncanny, unexpected uh, fake uh, punt by the Texans, which Daniel Sorensen snuffed out and stopped on a fourth and four, stopped him two yards short. The Chiefs got the ball back and were easily able to get it into the end zone with Travis Kelsey a couple plays later. And then on the ensuing kickoff, a wild turn of events, uh, the Chiefs get a fumble, lands right in Darwin Thompson's hands, and then a couple plays later, another touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. Uh, and by the end of the first half, the Chiefs have made up the deficit, and they go into halftime leading 28-24. to 24. They end up scoring 41 unanswered points and end up winning the game 51-31. to 31. Honestly, probably one of the craziest games that I have watched in recent memory in Chiefs history besides the Monday Night Football 
uh, game against the L.A. Rams last season. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes had poise throughout the game, ended up throwing 321 for five tu- or 321 yards for five touch and five touchdowns. But this is what you're going to see in the AFC playoffs for multiple years to come is Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes going head to head, either trying to go to a Super Bowl or trying to go to an AFC championship game, because those are the two quarterbacks in the AFC for the future. In my opinion, I believe there's more talent in the in the future for the AFC at the quarterback position than the NFC. But that's obviously just my opinion because there were two other great quarterbacks playing uh, in the NF, the other NFC divisional game where the Packers and the Seahawks squared off. Um, the Packers looked like they were going to run away with this game really, really early. Uh, but Russell Wilson always has the ability and his talent and just will to get his team back into every single game uh, is just uncanny. And he almost, almost pulled it off. Uh, but in the end, Rodgers had a uh, great drive to seal the game, uh, a long pass to Devontae Adams uh, on a third down to keep the drive going. And then a very what a lot of people will say is controversial where Jimmy Graham ended up landing and where the spot was on that call. Uh, he got another first down on that to seal the game again on third down. So, yeah, I I don't think the spot was terrible. I think it was slightly generous, but I didn't think it was terrible. I, I thought he was short, but it was, I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn the call on the field. When I originally watched it in the game, I was like, oh, he's short. And then I saw the replay and I was like, that's a little bit closer than I thought. And then I, I could see where the refs, why the refs spotted it there. But I'm also not a Seahawks fan, so I guess I wasn't super upset I mean, I I hate the Packers, so if I I would be biased. Normally, I'm biased against the Packers, and I can see how they gave him a first down there. I still think he was short, but I can see how they uh they gave him the first down. I'm not that upset. The Packers deserved to win that game. They outplayed the Seahawks. That is true. So, so next week, the Chiefs uh, on Sunday at two o'clock uh, face off against the Tennessee Titans, as I mentioned earlier. And then the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers uh, square up again uh, in a game which was absolutely dominated by the 49ers earlier this season uh, at, at uh, 540 um, in the late game. And just a note, the Tennessee Titans did beat the Kansas City Chiefs uh, earlier this season as well in week 14. So, after another uh, interesting weekend in the NFL, we have some baseball news, which we already besides, kind of broke a little bit. Besides but, the fact that Josh Donaldson signed with the Twins. But we have baseball That's- news in the middle of January because it was announced earlier this week that the Astros were... We, we knew this was coming, that the Astros were under investigation, but just... When was that? Today or yesterday? Yesterday? yesterday on Monday. Yesterday, Monday, January 13th, the uh, uh, Major League Baseball announced um, the suspensions uh, for, I'm blanking on the Astros manager, A.J. Hinch, Hinch. as well as their general manager, 
I don't know his name. And then the Astros announced that they have been dismissed from the team, fired from the team. They are no longer with the team. Yes, and along with uh, along with that, the Astros had to forfeit their first and second round picks for both this upcoming draft and the next uh, draft. So tw- uh, two firsts and two seconds, and they were fined $5 million, which is the maximum amount allowed under the MLB Constitution. Um, now, it's important to note that no players were punished um, um, because of this. Um, for multiple reasons, the biggest one being in order to get the players to testify about this scheme, um, the commissioner's office had to promise them immunity. So in order to get the evidence to get the Astros, they had to give the players immunity is one of the reasons. The second reason being back in September 2017, um, MLB sent a memo to all the team's general managers um, about electronic science stealing and how it would not be tolerated. And while it didn't say that play, specifically that players would not be held accountable for it, it did say that managers and general managers would be held accountable whether or not they were organizing or knew about these situations. So in the Astros case, it was determined that A.J. Hintz was not organizing this. It sounded like uh, Alex Cora, who was the Astros bench coach at the time. We'll get into Alex Cora more later was the one organizing it. Um, but A.J. Hinch obviously knew about it. He was in the dugout when all of this was happening. Um, and though he says he was, did not approve of it, he also did not stop it. So that's why he was punished. And there were a couple of emails that went to uh, Houston's general manager, Lupo, that um, made it look like he did know about it. But again, he did not actively support it. But again, it was his job to actively be stopping it, according to this Major League memo. So that's why those two were punished. Um, as for um, the report specifically says that Astros owner Jim Crane did not know anything about this and fully cooperated with the investigation. Well, I do believe that. I think that the punishment as far as the Astros organization is concerned wasn't enough. Think about it. If I'm the Astros owner... I had to trade $5 million, which is nothing to him, by the way, and two first-round picks and two second-round picks for a championship. If you pulled the rest of the owners in baseball, probably you'd get 28 out of 30 of them would say they'd do that, right? He got his championship. Whether So I don't think it was harsh enough. And what I'm hearing is there were a lot of owners, other owners, who agree with that sentiment that it wasn't enough punishment, but they were told by Major League Baseball that if they um, if they complained publicly about it, that they would be punished possibly worse than the Astros were punished for this originally. Is what is what um, is what some of the sources inside Major League or inside the which teams is, are which saying. Which is crazy because that's turning Major League Baseball basically into a dictatorship. At that so point, it's, it's like turning... you can't speak out against anything. Yeah, I mean, well, right. The commissioner, the commissioner has power to operate in the best interest of baseball, according to the made the commit right according to the uh, charter of the, in the constitution of Major League Baseball. So, I he can do that. Basically, he has unilateral power to say, "You you complaining about this is not in the best interest of baseball." 
So you can't do it or I'll punish you, right? But, he has power to do that under the major league constitution. But I guess I guess something to chew on, something to think about since Wyatt is telling us that it is now time for the segment to yeah, be over. I'm gonna keep talking about this for a while. That, Don't worry about it. Can Wyatt. we is it fair to cheat? Like, is that in the best interest of baseball? Cheat to win a championship. No, it's not, which is why he punished the he punished the Astros severely, but there are teams that say they didn't go enough. They didn't punish him enough. I'm with the teams. I feel like it should have been more. But, yes, it's but, quite a but, bit with the two with the two first and second round picks for two years, because generally when you look at look at the history of of prospects, generally the ones that make it to the big leagues, the the majority of the time are the first and second round picks that you have. That, thanks for that. That insight that the players draft higher are generally better. That, that was, was great that was analysis. Basically, Kyle. a Booger McFarland uh, analysis right there, uh, because he's literally one of the worst analysts of all time. Shout out to ESPN for continually hiring him back. Hey, they're gonna they're gonna hire Tony Romo. It sounds like. Yeah, for a lot of money, a heck of a lot of money. But I I don't think it was enough punishment. And yeah, I don't know what else they could have done though. I mean, well, here's where it gets interesting. Can, so MLB, they, can the MLB not strip away a championship? I don't know. They never have. But I don't. I assume they could. I don't know. Yeah. I assume they like could. Like, in my, opinion, as as in my opinion, is if you cheat to win a championship, that should be stripped from you. Yeah. You'd have to prove that whatever they were cheating, though, would have given them the, the, the benefit to win. Right. Well, so you, you have to look at it. How, how do you theory. prove that? Here's my theory. If it wasn't helping them, why did they do it for as long as they did? Yeah. Right. That's enough proof for me. And did you and they showed I saw stats somewhere of the Astros uh, ability to hit at home compared to how they were hitting on the road. They showed it in the postseason this year when they were there. And they also showed it from the stats from that season, uh, from 2017, when they did win the World Series. Their hitting, their um, averages were significantly higher at home compared to on the road. Coincidence? I mean, keep in mind, I, I totally agree with you, but that's just a correlation. You can't prove anything. You can't prove the only reason why they won the World Series was because they were cheating. Right. You but, cannot concrete, concretely say that, so I don't think they should be able to, you know, you right, can't strip but, a win away like but, that. But, but the NCAA can't prove that Gophers having some tutors write papers for their basketball players made it so they made the Final Four that year, but the NCAA stripped their Final Four, right? Yeah, no, I agree with that too, but that's because the NCAA and, can be And the NCAA players. handed down severe uh, punishment for USC back when Reggie Bush was there. Yeah. Anyway, I want to get back to talking about Alex Cora for a second. So Alex Cora was apparently the mastermind behind the Astros scheme in 2017. And then in 2018, he became the manager of the Boston Red Sox. And the Boston Red Sox are currently under investigation um, for a similar thing that the Astros did um, as far as using electronics to steal signs. Um, Just right before we started recording this podcast, um, it was announced that the Red Sox had fired Alex Cora the report that baseball put out for this Astros um, thing made it sound like the punishment that Cora is going to receive, which will come after the investigation into the Red Sox is done, is going to be worse. Is going to be more than what uh, AJ Hinch got. 
since Cora was the mastermind behind this for two franchises, possibly. I think that Alex Cora is going to get banned for banned from baseball for life for this. Just a little preview of what's coming later on our podcast. Yeah, I think Alex Cora is in deep, deep trouble. He's going to get at least two years, if not banned for baseball from life, I think, for orchestrating this in two different organizations. The other interesting thing to note is Carlos Beltran was the player um, who is in charge of this most for the Astros. He is now the manager of the New York Mets. It's going to be interesting to see if the Mets stand by him through this or if they're also going to uh, move on from him in the meantime, if he's going to be unscathed or not. It should also be noted that during their um, investigation, the Astros, play, other Astros players, alleged that they suspected at least eight other teams that were not named um, we're also doing some sort of electronic science dealing. So there might be more investigations coming besides just these two into the Astros and Red Sox. So don't expect this story to go away anytime soon. But we are now like five minutes over how long I was supposed to talk about this. So we are going to move on into the next segment where we're going to have a special Kyle Talks edition of Mike's Stupid Rules. Yeah, so this... This rule uh, is about um, bringing the ball out of an in, out of the end zone um, and still being eligible to have to be a touchback. This happened in a bowl game that I was watching uh, towards the end of bowl season, I believe, on either New Year's uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Um, a player caught the ball um, basically, kind of or right at the right at the goal line. Um, and started to bring it out. Now the ball did the half of the ball or part of the ball did break the overall plane of the goal line coming out. But the rule says that in order to st- uh, to for the ball to be officially brought out of the end zone, the entire ball has to cross the front plane of the goal line in order to have officially come out of the end zone and where it can't be ruled a touchback anymore. Whereas if you are scoring a touchdown, any part of the ball that crosses the front plane uh, of the end zone can is a touchdown, but when you're carrying the ball out, the entire ball has to clear the front plane of the end zone. This ball did not. The uh, returner then took a knee. Uh, it was very controversial. The other coach was screaming at the officials, but this is the rule. Them's the rules. And now ha- you have been schooled, if that makes sense to you guys. Makes sense to me. But I was also oh. reading things about Josh Donaldson the whole time, so I wasn't really listening. So maybe you did a terrible job and I just didn't pay attention. That's a possibility, too. Well, if I did a terrible job, hit us up on the 8311 Instagram account, direct message us or direct message us on, on Twitter, either wide or wide because in the Stone Age. Oh, you have a Twitter. We as 8311 cast don't have a Twitter. That's but why I said Wyatt Wyatt or I because Mike still lives in the Stone Age. No, because Twitter is toxic and I don't need that in my life. That's fair. You know what else? Got him. Can be toxic. Bad predictions. But you always <laughs> need someone to hold us accountable to that. And we're just going to let Mike keep on talking and hold us accountable for. Yes. We have six predictions that I need to hold people accountable for. Um, and as always, we are going to go in the order that they were predicted, not by who predicted them. Um, 
Wyatt predicted after the Baylor-Texas Tech game that the Big 12 refs blew, that the Big 12's refs would blow one more game this year. I didn't hear of any more games after that. Nah. Wyatt, did you? I did not. Okay, so that's what I – if we all agree, then we're going to count that as wrong for Wyatt and give him a nah. Which I'm happy about. Um, Back in – it was probably after week 14 or week 15. Yeah, it was was a while ago. Would go to the AFC Championship game. We actually gave him a triple for that because it looked like they were probably going to be the four seed at that point. Um, And they ended up being the two seed, which made it a lot easier to get there. But still – they did make it there, so for that, can I get a ding, 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 ding. Um, once the uh, national championship matchup was set, Kyle predicted there would be 70 or more points scored in that. They came up just short of it. I think they were at about, what, like 68 points, 67, something like that scored, which is just less than 70. So for that, Kyle gets a <laughs> Um, Josh predicted that the Packers would win a playoff game, which they did by beating the Seahawks. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. I predicted that exactly three home teams would win um, in the playoffs this weekend, um, which they did. The 49ers, Chiefs, and Packers. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. And... Um, Wyatt predicted that Iowa State would beat KU in basketball, which they did not even come close to doing. So, nah. Nah. That is the end of our accountability session. Also, you get a little bit of a delay there. Is your reaction time okay? Do I need to go over there and hit your knee, Kyle? See if your reaction time is still okay? Hit my knee. I will. Next time I see you. Okay. Anyway. Moving on from our accountability to our predictions going back up on the board. Kyle, what do you got for us leading us off? Uh, I have that the Chiefs will score a defensive or a special teams touchdown before the end of the season. So in one of their next two games, because that's the rest of the season is at most two games. Yep. Hmm. Um, how do you, how do you, I don't know. I don't know, man. How many defensive and special teams touchdowns do the Chiefs have this year? Uh, in my head, in all the games that I watched, I can only count four. Really? With that, those athletes returning kicks and punts, only four? Yeah, Nicole Hardman only had one touchdown all season. Interesting. I don't know. Double? Triple? Triple? I mean, triple, I guess. Triple? Yeah, yes. I don't really That's know what I was going to default to. I don't really know what to do that, so we'll give you a triple and move on. I'm Here's okay with the triple. Yeah. You can't ask for anything more than that. So I wasn't planning on it. That's what I wanted. That's good. You're sensible. My prediction, going back to this MLB electronic sign-stealing scandal, is that Alex Cora will get banned from baseball. He'll get put on the indefinite suspension list thing. By Major League Baseball. Mm. Double. Mm, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Which means that it probably will happen because I'm usually wrong. But I would say a triple just because I don't think it's going to happen. I will defer to you, however. I'll go with a triple. 
He's already writing it down too in bold. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's because I deserved because I wrote that prediction down before he got fired, like ten minutes before he got fired. I wrote that prediction down, so that brings me brings me up since he wasn't yet fired at the time of that prediction's writing. We're not giving you a home run though. No, I don't deserve a home run for that. So I'm gonna go for the uh, third triple of the night and say <laughs> <laughs> And say that Joe Burrow is going to get drafted by the Bengals. Uh, no, I think that's a single. <laughs> uh, Definitely that's, not yeah. a triple. You, I, bunted I that, you bunted that down the line, and Chris Bryant came in and absolutely botched the play for a buzz. That's and fine. Then, I love Chris. And then had to be with and then had to be uh, restrained from going and knocking out an umpire afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> All around a bad play. Eh, well, do everything from Josh this week. Is he still alive? I do. He is still alive. He survived his uh, Christmas holidays and everything. And he, he survived the intensity of that Packers game. And he predicted that the Titans would go to the Super Bowl. Essentially, the Titans would beat the Chiefs ah. next week, which, according to 538 Sports, has a 31% chance of happening. And according to ESPN's Football Power Index has a 25% chance of happening. Double. Yeah, that's isn't that double territory? I think so. Wait, you said 25%? From, from, for, from yeah, but it still doesn't 25. matter. In recent yeah. history, the, the past You're six right. years, the Chiefs have only beat the Titans once. I mean, it wasn't going to change my opinion. I was just clarifying because yeah. I wasn't 25 listening. from ESPN and 31 from 538. Yeah, I'd say double. Sweet. Dope. So... Four predictions, four guys, still only three of them here, but that's fine. That's the 11 cast for you. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in to this week's episode, episode 64. We appreciate you sticking around. Make sure you stop back by next week when we, again, bring you all things sports to your beautiful ears. If you have any suggestions, comments, and you're not a Russian bot, Please uh, swing by our contact page, 8311cast.fireside.fm. Yes, I have a lot of spam from that contact form from Russian bots. Really? You're not that? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah, 8311cast, that's us. Share us with your friends. Or don't. Our feelings aren't going to be heard. Talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Wait, Go no, Cyclones. pause, pause, pause. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Murray, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Theater, your incompetent producer. Talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones and go Chiefs!